You're listening to the Career Crossroads broadcast of today's shared headlines. CXR members get full articles and additional members-only content at careercrossroads.com. It was our pleasure recently to travel to Dublin, Ireland and meet with the entire social talent team in an effort to catch up on what they're developing and sharing in our industry. While there, Johnny Campbell, the social talent CEO, invited Jerry and I to take a seat on the TA Talks couch and chat for a while about machine learning, artificial intelligence, and basically how to play the modern game of talent acquisition. Throughout that conversation, Jerry and I shared a little bit about ourselves, the origin of Career Crossroads and what we do at CXR, the evolution of what we're calling recruiting automation, and what we think is on the horizon for TA leaders everywhere. Now, we've put the video out on the website at careercrossroads.com, and we're now adding the audio here on our podcast for those of you that might be driving in cars, walking dogs, or working out on the Stairmaster. Enjoy. I'm Johnny Campbell and welcome to our next episode of TA Talks. With me today I've got two fantastic minds, good friends who we could chat for hours. We're going to try and condense that to some really good conversation for you today. I've got with me Chris Hoyt and Jerry Crispin from Career Crossroads. Welcome to Dublin, guys. Thanks. Hey, thanks. So both of you are probably quite well known to our audience. Um, You have a larger than life presence on stage um, at different shows, right extensively, and good opinions that are quoted everywhere. I was wondering, could you reintroduce yourselves to our audience today? Chris, maybe starting with you, a little bit of background on yourself and how you ended up doing what you're doing right now. Uh, thanks. Uh, Chris Hoyt, I've been with uh, Career Crossroads now. I've uh, been working as Jerry's partner for, for two years, I guess. It's gone pre- pretty quickly. Uh, and we're having a great time pulling talent acquisition leaders together from around the world to, to really talk about what keeps them up at night, uh, both online and in person at about eight or nine meetings a year. Uh, I've been in talent acquisition for about 25 years now. I've been in the space. Uh, started as a, a recruiter in the field uh, and then have uh, run talent uh, teams uh, and branding initiatives and departments and functions at uh, both AT&T and, and PepsiCo before coming on board. And Jerry? I just started in talent acquisition. No, <laughs> You're going to love it. If he's, if he's got 25 years, I'm going, oh, shit. You can learn so. a lot from this guy here. <laughs> I, I'm going to maybe start, but Jerry, you told me a couple of years ago about your first, one of the first Sherm presentations you ever delivered around how HR and recruitment could use the internet. Yes. Um, so maybe, maybe give me some context in terms of when that, that was. That was 1996. And, um, uh, you know, to give you some context, I've been in recruiting literally my entire life, uh, adult life. And when I was, I, I have an engineering degree, but in graduate school, I fell in love with recruiting. I was involved in career services to pay for my graduate work. So I got fascinated by the whole issue of how people not only work, but how they get to the work, how they choose what they do. And so I became fascinated by it. And in the, you know, in the pre-industrial <laughs> world, um, recruiting was not uh, the highest function for HR. And so I, I looked at a lot of different areas within HR. Most of my early work was with uh, Johnson & Johnson. So I had an entire career with Johnson & Johnson heading up HR and heading up TA. Um, but it, it was not uh, complex. It was a pretty 
uh, non-industrial, non-technology focused uh, function. But in starting in the um, starting in the 1990s, uh, things changed and started changing rapidly, and um, we could see it coming. In effect, in fact, we thought we were late getting into it. Uh, so we started writing books about how emerging technology would would change uh, recruiting. And in 1996, I had an opportunity to go to Sherm's conference in Chicago, I believe, and uh, speak on the subject. And so my title was HR and the Internet. And and uh, I think in the story that I told you, uh, but I asked when I got on stage, I said, how many of you um, have... Uh, an email address, and only one in four people in the room, there was a thousand people in the room, only one in four had an email address, and this is all HR folk. How many of you have seen a page on the internet? One in ten. And I I pretty much said I'm going to share with you what I think um, is starting, but I absolutely believe that if you don't leave here embracing uh, a new way of thinking about this issue, uh, that you really need to start looking at a different career. And, and you know what? I think in the, in, the, in the next 21 years, if you will, um, I'd probably still say that if you don't start looking at what's coming next, um, and I don't mean five years or 10 years, I mean like around the corner, uh, you really need to start looking for a different career because uh, recruiting talent acquisition is in a constant state of change. There's no loyalty for any of the tools, resources, partners, etc., unless they can deliver and that they can change with you. And so, you know, I've been just a fan of um, figuring out how do we embrace it. Um, we pivoted from those books to, um, as Chris mentioned, uh, we try to Try, we're trying. Our aspiration really is a community of talent acquisition leaders who care about each other, who help each other, um, who are compelled to improve, have some critical thinking skills, um, and a willingness to kind of step up and uh, talk about what they do, share what they do. And this, and pardon my pronunciation because I get it wrong all the time, this colloquium? Colloquium? I know, I had to look it up. So colloquium... You still spell it wrong. Colloquium is supposed to mean peer-to-peer. It's got a little bit of an academic piece uh, to it, but um, I think the critical aspect is any of one of those meetings is not a meeting in which Chris and I are you know, getting on stage and doing stuff. It, it fundamentally is designed around the people uh, who are leading talent acquisition in various areas, so sourcing or... Um, branding or executive search or whatever it might be. We do eight different ones a year. And, and it requires folks to really engage each other. I try to build uh, some scenarios around that uh, to help. But by the end of the day and a half, uh, they're ignoring the scenarios and saying, this is what I want to talk about now. And, and that's to me, is exciting. It's like having a focus group <laughs> that pays you. Um, but a, a focus group that's kind of engaging uh, each other about what they're trying to solve now. And to me, that tells you more about the next six months, and that's all the future I can manage well, to embrace. I like the fact that we've got... Um, <clears throat> so before I came on, uh, I was actually a member, 
And I love the, the aspect that everybody in there I knew was doing the work or leading the work, and that was going to be the real deal that I spoke to. And that's sort of, I think, what differentiates what we do is that uh, our members are interviewed. So it's not who's got the budget to join and come be in the meeting. Uh, they go through an interview process. And there are uh, a handful that we've turned down this year uh, that just aren't a good fit. So, so why we like fancy word like, you know, words like colloquium uh, is because there is a little bit more to the meeting than you know, just throwing a bunch of people in the room to, to sort of uh, bang on a drum or, or talk about what's hot. It's, it's folks we know are doing the work. I can see the value in that. I know a lot of heads of talent who feel a little bit on their own. Um, not everyone has the luxury of being part of a community where they can have those conversations. I know if you're in a remote part of the U.S., if you're somewhere in Europe or elsewhere, you might just get to the events. You might not get your invite to whatever the big conference is. You just might not have the budget to travel. You're too busy. But you do want to lean on a peer group and not feel like you're the only person making these decisions. Be lonely. Yeah. I, I, but I'm interested to know then... You guys obviously talk about the trends, what's happening, what's, what are the burning issues. If I'm spending this time with this group, I want to talk about what's on my mind. You must see a lot of common themes. There must be things that are very obvious to both of you are the hot things. But to anyone sitting outside that, you, they might be thinking, is it just me or not? What are those trends? So each of the meetings that we do have a, a focus point. So one is, like Jerry said, one's sourcing, one's branding, uh, one's executive recruiting, leadership. Something that this year has come up uh, without fail at each one of those topical meetings is recruiting automation. Uh, and we continue to hear, what about AI? Who's implementing machine learning? Are these algorithms going to take jobs? Are they going to make jobs easier? I'd say that's probably one of the hottest from a topical. It's sort of, uh, it's sort of this year's big data, last year's mobile recruiting uh, sort of trend and shift. But I'd say that's our... That's our hottest one, our biggest one. I mean, there's and several. And I think there's an inference here. It's because it's still mysterious. Sure. Um, there's still a good deal of debate as to how far in the future actually the impact is, you know, is going to be felt. Um, I, I have an inference about that as well because I think it, I think there's an overriding piece to this, and that is I see most of the talent acquisition leaders now in that are ensconced in, in fairly good enterprise-wide companies, they have 10, 20 years of experience with, um, in effect, the, this first generation of recruiting automation. So they've been dealing with technology tools now and how to put a solution stack together and organize it and integrate it and deal with it and train people and, and, and keep that learning going now for 10, 20 years. And what they've been doing for the most part is trying to listen to the vendors and suppliers and consultants out there that they brought in to help them and then try to take the best of what they've learned and apply it. And what I'm seeing as a difference in the last two to three years is they're taking back their vision. That, it, that instead of going to the vendors, they've been to them enough. <laughs> and and they, they now have a clear idea of what it looks like in their head. They may not know what the solution stack is going to be totally, but they're, they're saying, you know what? If, it, if I could design it, it would look like this. And now going to the vendor or supplier and saying, what part of this can you do? So don't tell me what you do, 
but what part of this can you do? And can you connect to the other part of what I'm going to put together? And that's a huge change, in my opinion. And, and anyone with 5, 10, 15 years experience now, in my opinion, should start to think about what's my vision. Well, and there's a there's an element of that too that I think is the uh, from a recruiter standpoint more of the dialogue is the the recruiters you know the robots are coming to replace us right and I think that there's a piece of this that it, it's not so much about you know replacing recruiters I mean there is some recruiting that could be automated uh, with the right technology and as as it continues to evolve but I think the big win is the the leaders that are savvy enough to begin implementing technology to get rid of the mundane tasks right. and the the very transactional components of recruiting that will enable the recruiters to go back and be better business partners uh, internally or enable them to be better at wooing candidates uh, as opposed to necessarily uh, digging them up and doing scheduling, you know, in the back and forth. Right. So I think, I think there's a couple different sides to that from a, from a cost standpoint and a, uh, a proficiency standpoint. That are I think sad. actually conceivably beyond the mundane, once, once the scheduling issues and a few of the others show that uh, they can be done and automated in a way that enhances, actually, you know, um, improves the capability of recruiters to actually have a better capacity of what they do um, and much more focus. I, th I think we're going to see potential for the use of those kinds of things in, in um, consistency and feedback, for example. I think that's, you know, that's the big opportunity of this is that um, people forget. They, they assume that we're going to just take away all the admin and volume and leave recruiters just doing everything else as opposed to going we can create a whole new uh, level of responsibility yeah. above what we current because we're too busy to get to it you know if you had the whole if you had 30 more hours in the in in the week what would you do you know how much extra value could you add what could you work on um uh, you know i think that's 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 the opportunity is and, and, and where people fear oh my job is going to change it's saying no, no no what are the parts of your job that hurt your head the most but you'd love to get to because you're gonna, you're, we're gonna take away half your admin, and you're gonna start getting that time back, and you're actually gonna start working at a new level. I think that's what, you know, it's it's the individual pressure I think recruiters should feel and be excited about to kind of go, I'm gonna have to up my game, but in more interesting well, work. I don't know of any recruiting automation that's on the way to get rid of the stuff within recruiting that recruiters are excited about. Yes. Right? Good point. So the, the idea is to enable them to do the things that they're passionate about within the role that they're in. And I got to be honest with you, if you're excited about scheduling that aspect, you know, just to pick one, maybe you should be a scheduler. And if you're not excited about talking with candidates or being able to partner with business partners, well, then maybe you're in the wrong job to begin with. I think the transition, though, is that recruiters are moving less from a job. Their job is changing and it's becoming more of a career, less of a trade, more of a profession. Yeah. And, and that's because we're going to be able to measure it. We're going to be able to describe it. We're going to be able to train it and learn from that. And, and those are all characteristics. And execution? That's crazy talk. <laughs> For that, that's the characteristics of a profession. And so recruiters who are in it just to make a buck and go home at five, you know, fundamentally it may, may shift. Um, and it's not a time-dependent piece it's, it's a performance piece, as, as any profession would be. We talked about um, another trend, if I can take one more, um, is that, you know, in the wider sphere of HR, which is kind of, you know, the HR world where recruitment typically sits, right? You know, ultimately, the VP of talent typically reports up to the CHRO, uh, typically. 
you know, we discussed offline that you were starting to see heads of talent become heads of HR, whereas that really wasn't a role. You reached the ceiling and you just moved to a bigger company or became a consultant or started your own company. You got stuck. Um, how? I'm always conscious of the fact that you know if I'm thinking about my role as head of head of uh, talent, I'm thinking about the recession coming along, and that's one of the teams you axe because you don't need them because you're not hiring for a couple of years. These are always concerns, and most heads of talent have been through that big recession. They've had a career, got to a point, went back, started again, perhaps in terms of post-recession. And you're thinking about where else could I go in my career that is more recession-proof, but also more interesting and wider and I can have bigger impact to the business. Is it a, is it a likely route? And if it is, why, 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 the, why the talent folk? Why are they the ones being considered against all the other people who work in HR? Because it's a broad remit for that senior job. And, and you know, I'm, your comment is, uh, I think, right on target, but it fits within the framework of the fact that we've got silos in HR. And so uh, over, over many years, many, many years ago, unions, the, whoever was involved with the union was, in effect, the person who moved on up in, in HR. That's not true anymore. Um, today, it's, uh, today, in my opinion... It's going to be the person who combines both talent acquisition skills and the learning skills. Um, and whether you call it talent management or some other aspect, whoever can break those silos down um, can start asking the kinds of questions that we should be asking about short and long-term um, hiring. And, and we, need to see, we need to continue to think about hiring or rehiring after, after a person is an employee where do they continue to go? Where do we begin to lose them? What, what do we need to offer to those individuals, both short and long term? And we need to start thinking about that from the point of view of, of their education. Where should we start meeting them? Should it be in high school? And there are some jobs where we should be meeting them in high school. And there are other jobs where we should be meeting them in college. So, you know, companies are going to have to rethink that. And, and obviously, we need talent acquisition leaders who understand learning or learning leaders who understand talent acquisition um, to make that happen. And, and yes, that's a, part, a significant part of HR, but it's now, I think, has each of them has their own body of knowledge. Uh, they're evolving specialties. There are specialized tools that are coming into play. And so putting all that together is, I think, where, where we need to evolve. I think, you know, if I can bring together some of those, you're looking at machine learning and AI being a certainly novel topic this year, people looking at how can we use it, building on the back of things like data science and everyone to hire a data scientist, this move towards being more strategic in the business and having that voice. It seems to me that the modern head of TA... Uh, she's going to have to bring a, a analytical, scientific approach in mind to this. You have to be comfortable dealing with data and complexity. You've got to be able to uh, be, be, be confident in the strategy that, you're, that you lead with that has to be aligned to your business. This is a more strategic person. This is someone who is data-driven. They're numbers-driven. They want insights. They want to get results. Uh, they have ROI in mind. Um, this isn't fluffy, let's make everyone happy in HR and hire nice candidates kind of stuff anymore if it was ever that. that that's, you know, in all of those trends, this is a different animal 
of a person than maybe 10, 20 years ago would have been head of personnel or whatever the role title. As to your point, Jerry, the union rep who did good, who became the the uh, person we had to have on the board because it would make the staff happy and the unions happy. This is a different strategy down using data, speaking the same language as their colleagues who are running other teams. It's a different type of person who's, who's leading these, these talent acquisition teams. Without a doubt. Um, I think there are, there's, there are a couple things that I think are missing from the trends um, that are potential choke points along the way. Uh, one of them is how we select. So our ability to assess in a predictive way who will succeed is um, hit from every side now with social media and a variety of other kinds of things. We, we need to prove some of those tools. Um, and I think they're in, a, they're in a mixed form right now. And a lot of companies are very uh, concerned, uh, either from a compliance point of view, uh, and so are avoiding it until it's perfect which is probably a mistake. Um, but we're, we're going to have to apply the same criterion. We're going to have to see if we can do a better job in identifying what is a quality a candidate that we can predict will be successful um, and do it with more than simply the gut of uh, how, we, how we interview folks. I think you're right there in terms of I look at you know, Chris made the point about the quality of data. You guys talked about the trend of, and the discussion. Again, I, there's a lot of products out there and vendors who talk about how they can predict success through data and, and science, but it assumes the data is clean and accurate. Right. And that's, that's, that's where it all falls apart. So if you take the last five years of data about how we selected everybody and stick it into a machine learning algorithm, you're going to come up with an answer that's very predictive. The problem is it's, it's predicting with the same unconscious bias of all the people who've made those decisions already. We just automated the broken part. <laughs> There's not enough new variability and complexity to try and find something that's right, new there. That's right. But, but um, some, a couple companies are building an algorithm to look at the algorithm from an unconscious bias point of view. But again, does that drive, is that driven by your strategy or by the vendor strategy? Chris, Jerry, um, thank you both for your time. Uh, we could probably explore these topics alone for hours on end. Uh, if anyone wants to reach out and find out more about your colloquium, um, what's the best way to approach you? Uh, well, you, well, you can see us at any number of events. Uh, we do quite a bit of traveling in the spring and the fall at any of the recruiting conferences, but the fastest way is probably hit the website at uh, careercrossroads.com. It's careerxroads.com. Guys, pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks. We'll be back for another TA talk soon. I hope you've enjoyed this and give you some stimulating conversation. I hope you can sit back and, and see are you the type of TA leader that the world seems to be looking for. Thanks again. You're listening to the Career Crossroads broadcast of today's shared headlines. CXR members get full articles and additional members-only content at careercrossroads.com.